life is like a hurricane. Here in Duckburg, race cars, lasers, aeroplanes, it's a duck blur. Might solve a mystery or rewrite history. DuckTales. Woohoo. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Sinclair. I'm here with my co-host. Drew Garrison. <laughs> That's right my favorite. That's my favorite one so far. <laughs> without w- without question. Um, obviously with having Disney Plus, I've been watching a lot of those old shows and just trying to find things that my daughter also likes that she'll watch for, you know, like two minutes. And um we did not succeed with DuckTales, but I did end up watching a lot of it on my own. So oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a new version of it too. They rebooted it. I don't that, know if you saw I it. heard this. I have not seen it. Uh, I just it, like, they, they just made it look cooler. I think it would fuck me up though. If uh, the, the voices were wrong and that would bother me. I felt like they were okay, but I haven't really like, comb through it and really mm-hmm. gave it the whole drew one two you know it's like really beat it up but we're trying not to do that right now what are you drinking how about that let's do that instead uh, i am drinking some crianza oh fucking delicious uh, rioja from spain obviously classic mm-hmm. doc this is a, a fantastic red wine and uh, now when you say classic doc what do you mean mm-hmm. what's a doc Oh, uh, well, okay. Well, classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this this particular bottle is is not atypical of the style. It is it's what you would expect from the style, and it's uh, it makes me happy that I know that. So 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 specifically, this DOC uh, uh, for Rioja um, coming coming from sort of central ish Spain. Um, although this this bodega is not in central Spain, but the typically central Spain, central northern Spain is where a lot of Rioja, Rioja comes from. And um, so this is, you know, it's like just a little spicy, just a little earthy, a touch of a touch of bright fruit, um, not overbearing in any way, super food friendly um, and uh, chuggable for lack of a better word i'm gonna do it makes me happy it's great also the bottle itself has a giant it's black with a giant p and for whatever reason it always reminds me of the uh the bad guys in pokemon um yeah you actually sent me a picture of it and we'll share it on our social medias uh it definitely definitely looks um like that like the what were they the power oh i can't i can't remember I know the girl was Jesse. Yep. Oh man. I'm sorry to stump you because I'm not. I I came ill prepared with my Pokemon facts. Dude, right there with you, man. I mean, it wasn't necessarily the biggest part of my life either. So, um, get it. Totally get it. All I remember, I mean, mostly about Pokemon before really learning about Pokemon. Like Pokemon was on Game Boy, and I learned about it that way. And then I remember hearing facts about um, they had to tone down the cartoon because in Japan, kids uh, kids were having seizures because they were sitting too close to the TV. 
and there was too many like flashing flashing scenes of like color and bright lights and everything like that so they had to like tone down the cartoon uh, to make it more consumable by children well i came very much the same way video games and then like watch some of the show not a lot of it it was just kind of like on at times Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but that's pretty funny to hear about uh man pokemon we're just yeah. we're 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 talking about all the obscure stuff. I mean, we're aging <laughs> ourselves right now. You know, I I uh, I I am aging myself in that I am too old to give a fuck about not aging myself. If that makes <laughs> sense. Like I just I I don't even pretend. Fair I enough. Mean, I think my bald spots would give that away more than anything. Fair enough. What uh what are you drinking, Drusif? I am doing the um twenty five year old Glenallachy tonight. Well, way to fucking one-up me, Jesus. Well, I figured it's Memorial Day weekend. It's a brand new addition to the JVS portfolio. I was able to get my hands on a little bit of it. And so I was like, well, I will wait till Sunday night to drink this. And I am really happy that I did. Um, Because it's goddamn delicious. I think 25 is a good year to be drinking right now. Um, uh, yeah, I, well, I, I, we talked about this. I believe we talked about this before, which is getting, getting, pushing whiskey over the age of 15 is a difficult task, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you actually, you can't accidentally do it. You need to, you need to be somewhat of an expert because you end up with over extraction of wood, um, depending on your your environment your diurnal your diurnal shifts might be too high and you might be ill prepared or or not aware enough of where that honey spot is in your barrel house or in your barrel room depending on the size of your production i guess um so so moving moving past that age is is not easy so getting something that's delicious i think past the age of 16 is something to be celebrated yeah, and uh, these guys do some pretty cool stuff. They um, they're actually a an independently owned distillery, which is nice. Uh, kind of a cool cool gig there. You don't see that very often anymore. Um, but this one, it looks like it is a uh, combination well, you of you don't see it in Scotland very often anymore. Well, that's true. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean. Cause we have the craft spirit movement here. It's just, it's not quite the same in the UK. Right. Right. So you have a lot of, you know, bigger, um, bigger companies, big umbrella companies. In fact, uh, Glen when it was opened, it was owned by the Chivas company. Um, and then it was bought oh, interesting. in 2017 when, uh, when... by Billy Walker and two other partners. Um, and so they started doing more independent releases and so um, this one's this one's cool. It's a combination of Pedro Imanez uh, and Oloroso cask. Oh, um, yeah. So it's got this really rich color to it. It's also, um, you know, it's a non-chill filter, no color added. So all the color that you see on it is the is the true color. So and, is that is that is that the sherry finish or is it full sherry barreling? I believe it. Through? I mean, the way that this is phrased is that this is. These are these are full sherry cask. 
That's cool. So full full maturation um, in those, and it's nice. I mean, it's 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 definitely you know got some aggressiveness from the from the sheriness that I that, that I like. <laughs> from the sheriness. <laughs> from the good... sheriness. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's great. For you. Uh, uh, my sh- uh, uh, champagne that my wife and I had during our wedding, um, which I am still absolutely in love with, and it's one of um, uh, your new favorite wine importers. It's part of her portfolio, and uh, and it's got a distinct sherryness to the finish of it. <laughs> so I love I love that you said that because it's not it's not a word I would ever use, but I'm pretty happy that you did. Yeah, well, that's what I'm here for. Um, what, <laughs> which one is it? It's the Labelle, uh, sorry, Lapel from, um, uh, uh, Roger Brun. Hmm. Yeah. I had, uh, some good stuff on, on Friday from, from them, from, from her. It wasn't that one though. So I was wondering if that was the same one, but, um, but yeah, so I yeah, I, I really can't wait to check out that interview and what, I guess we'll, I guess we'll, we'll, get into that a little bit later. Um, uh, but definitely you and I have both been enjoying the entire portfolio that, um, she manages. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, you know, if you see me hawking Glen Alke, just know that we're the importers now and the distributor in California. So check it out. It's a really fun little distillery. They got a 10 year old cast strength. They do a 12 year old, a 15, 18, and of course the 25. And then, you know, you can also see some independent bottlings from them as well. I know signatory did one and I think, uh, one or two others. So that was, uh, I think the very first place I ever had one was actually signatory. Uh, your first Glen Alecky? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, I wasn't aware of the, of the distillery before it kind of started to come across our radar as a potential pickup. And then, you know, it's, I think it's always good to have something like a space side in, um, you know, in your portfolio. Um, because it just, it's, uh, it just resonates with people. They're like, Oh, what do you have from space side? And da-da this, da-da that. you're like, Oh, okay, well I have this. Yeah, and we've, it's, we've, it's, you know, it's not too much in one direction or the other, right? Like it's, I mean, yeah, it's not a Highland. It's not an Isla. It's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Uh, and you have it's, a lot it's of an approachable, it's a pro, an approachable portfolio of different single malts from that area. Um, and then I actually found out that that's like more marketing speak than anything else when it comes to those regions, um, which I thought was interesting. Or, totally. But like, like the wine, right? There's, there are certain, certain characteristics that have become, um, you know, canonized to the region. And yes, there are people who do, you know, waver in and out of that. Um, but for the most part, you know what to expect when you're going to drink something like that. Totally. Totally. So I'm going to continue to sip on that and we're going to get into our news stories. I was like, do I pause for music that you'll forget to put in? I don't know. No, no, Uh, I didn't forget last time. But you know what's even better than that is I've decided to leave in all this banter also around it just so it would look extra professional. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) Um, So our first first story 
is, um, you know, we've been talking a lot about how there's been an increase in the off-premise sales um, just kind of across the nation because, you know, people obviously weren't able to go to bars and all that fun stuff or the to-go cocktails wasn't really their thing. So people were going just to local liquor stores and grocery stores and all that fun stuff, and they were picking up more booze. Well, and they uh, – Drew, Drew, what is uh, – sorry to interrupt. What, um, for those of uh, the folks who might not know, what does off-premise mean? Uh, liquor stores, uh, grocery stores that sell alcohol, pretty much anything that's not a restaurant and or bar is referred to as the off premise. Right. What would, what you would, I, the way I always look at it is like what, what you would consume while you are there and what you would consume while not there. You're oh, there on you versus off premise, right? That's a way more clever way to put it. I'm going to start using yeah. that from now on. All right. Good. Good you're, on you. You're welcome. Um, so, but one, one other thing that they've actually started to, uh, see strong upticks in is cigar sales. So, um, they've been talking to a lot of different people, uh, from around the nation about it. And what they're finding is that guests are buying the same cigars they have in the past, but they're buying just a lot more of them on each visit. So you're not seeing monumental like increases, but you're seeing like two to 3%, you know, growth, which I think is really interesting to me because, um, I mean, I'm, I'm more of an aspiring cigar smoker than really a cigar smoker, but you know, you have all this like movement towards health and stuff like that. And this is, this is a number that, you know, has either been steady or declining. And now you're starting to see a huge increase in it, which is, um, which is really cool. Uh, what do you think about the increase in cigar sales? It it makes sense to me. You and I were talking um, uh, pre-recording that uh, that cigars require a dedication, <laughs> right? It's it's an event when you're smoking a cigar. Uh, it, or how did how did you put it? You know, it requires what? It's a it's a it's a whole process. So it's it like is. it's a process. So, so not only you know, or, and and I and I do enjoy the process. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, but then it's the after when you. I mean, this for myself. You know, I smell like smoke. So then I'm like, okay, now I got to go take a shower, and I got to brush my teeth like 12 times. I might have to take a second shower because I have really thick hair, and that smoke just lingers. You know. Um, so I always think about that, which is the wrong mentality to have. If you want to be into something like smoking cigars, like, you know, like the, like, you, you know, the cleanup process, like nobody throws a party thinking, Oh, well, the cleanup's going to suck. That's not your mindset. And unfortunately that's my mindset when it comes to cigars is everything from the beginning to the end for till like near the end is going to be great. But then that final process of the cleanup, like that's what deters me from, you know, smoking a cigar. Yeah, you know, it's and funny. I have, is I, I actually think that there are like a lot of uh, a lot of people out there who smoke cigars who can who can sympathize with that. <laughs> I think that I, I don't think that that is a rare, and I could say that from my own personal experience, which is you know, Jen is no problem with me smoking a cigar every once in a while. Um, you know, uh, cigarettes off the table, not allowed, uh, which is fine. I quit smoking cigarettes over a decade ago one of the best decisions i ever made but smoking cigars she has no problem with uh, but it's you know hi how are you don't look at me don't touch me go take a shower right yeah like <laughs> are you fine. relaxed i just like i already know i already know what it is so i just turn on turn on some music and just enjoy my shower i guess and my nicotine high while i'm hanging out yeah and um i remember 
uh, cigar smoking being described to me as one of the healthiest things that you could do for yourself. And when you told me this story, please, yeah. Please share and that. so when I when I pressed the guy, I was like, "How can you possibly think that?" He was like, "When was the last time that you sat down and relaxed for like thirty to forty five minutes and just sat there and enjoyed yourself?" And I was like, "Good for you." good for you that's a smart way to look at it so um so yeah i think that's i think it's i think it's cool that you know people are obviously really dipping into their hobbies right now and cigars are no um exception to that and and it's interesting because you you do see like a pretty significant increase in like the e-commerce for it as well uh whereas like a lot of small shops ended up closing up um but some of the e-commerce cigar shops really saw an increase because people were just trying to get, you know, their fix. And I, I think it'll be interesting to see if this trend continues through the rest of the year, you know? Well, I, I think what a lot of the e-commerce has to do with, um, with cigars is taxes, right? Like in California, we have like 300% tax on tobacco, um, which doesn't necessarily dissuade people, but the savvy shopper is, is going to buy from Florida. Right. And have them have them shipped over. And so they don't have the same laws or same rules and regulations about shipping tobacco over state lines as we do for booze. So you could buy you could buy, you know, theoretically three times the amount of cigars that you that you could otherwise. Yeah. Uh, So and yeah, because of the process, because of the time and people have kind of nothing but time on their hands right now. I it it makes total sense. Uh, It was I when we came across this story, it sort of surprised me how much it surprised me (laughs) that I was like, Oh yeah, this totally makes sense. Especially since I literally sat down yesterday and smoked, smoked a cigar with the, the, uh, the infamous Brad Peters yesterday. So nice. Well, I think another thing too, is that they're, they're seeing, um, you know, really premium cigars have increased. And I think that kind of goes with what other, like the trends in the spirits industry as well, where people are buying premium products because it's their thought process being, well, if I'm going to be stuck at home, I might as well either smoke or drink the better stuff. You know, and I'm, I'm curious if you feel like you can extrapolate that philosophy out. Like I, because you and I have this aversion to concentrate on the doom and gloom. Um, We definitely call it out when we see it and we recognize it and we want to pay um, enough respect to that thinking when we see it, um, when it's justified. But, but overall you and I have this philosophy that we, we always try to look at what's good in the world and at least the things that we can control to make things better. Right. Um, and, and I'm curious if, if you feel like there is a trend there that maybe people aren't paying attention to, you know, with social media being so negative, the news being constant, you know, concentrating rightfully so on hundred thousand deaths in our country, you know, but the economy isn't doing great, but people are still indulging. Those who can are still indulging, right? Is that? Do you think that that's a trend that you imagine we're going to continue to see, or do you imagine people are going to go, for you know, for lack of a better term, back to, I don't know, the you know, the cheap fix, quicker picker upper, <laughs> you know, yeah. like like what can I what can I do right now, right right here? 
I always on the go, gotta go, go, go. Um, so I'm gonna go a little bit more anecdotal evidence of what I think is gonna happen. Um, this is actually a much this is a much older story than than the current pandemic, but I remember uh, my grandfather had a friend who would only drink natty ice. That was it, wow. and only. And every time they try to get him to drink something, you know, quote unquote, better beer, never into it. And um, one day I asked him, I was like, well, why do you only drink Natty Ice? He goes, well, if I drink anything better, I'll never come back to this and I'll have to start spending more money. And I'm just not willing to do that. Right. Like this is the, <laughs> this is the best beer I've ever had because this is the only beer I really drink. Right. So I think for a lot of people, the the pandemic has, you know, done a, has done a lot of different things. But if we're looking at this in the positive sense, you know, I think it has proven to a lot of people how quickly things can be just ripped away from you. And I kind of liken it to also like the how I joke about how I don't leave bottles unopened. I always try them because I never want to be in a situation where I'm on my deathbed thinking I should have tried that bottle. Like, why did I sit on it? Yeah, And I think people will have a similar mentality when it comes to stuff like this because they'll be like, well, um, this all could be taken away and life's maybe a little more fragile than I gave it credit for before. It, or just like my lifestyle was more fragile than I thought. So I'm going to continue to buy you know, nicer things and stuff like that. And then I also think that because of the regulations and things that are going to be rolling out and have already rolled out, you know, at least for us, is – going out is going to be a premium activity because of you know restrictions on it on occupancy and everything like that uh you're gonna have to increase your prices to make it so you're going to take certain people out of the demographic of who can come to your bar or restaurant you know moving forward just because they just won't be able to justify the cost but what they can do is get something that's good and have it at home so I do think that this is um, – I think this is these are trends that are going are gonna to continue and people who – and now that people have had like – you know like they've stopped um, holding back. They're like, oh, no, I am going to get that 30-year-old bottle. I'm going to get that 25 or whatever. You know, I think people are going to continue to do that. That's just my mindset towards it. Yeah. And I, it, and I certainly hope so. I um, – just had this epiphany right now as you were speaking uh, that I realized that, uh, you know, holiday season when we open up the store and then post holiday season, dry January, so on, so what, you know, so on, so forth. Um, I heard a lot of people sort of ooing and aahing over sort of our, some of our high end bottles going, oh, yeah, that's good. I'll see you in a month if it's still here, you know, and I heard that a lot at least four times a week, five times a week. Um, and actually since, since shelter in place occurred, I don't think I've heard it a single time, which take that for what it's worth, you know, but, uh, I find that really interesting. Actually, you know, people don't seem to, I think people have a, a stronger, circumspect of the value of things at this point in time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. <laughs> so no, I, I, that's cool. I, I, you know, I'm happy. I think we ended on, we've ended up in a good spot here. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, hey, if we want to be negative, I mean, I went down the rabbit hole of one of our mutual friends today, and I was just like, this has broken him. And and not in the sense that he won't be able to feed his family and stuff like that, but he's just turned into the worst. And so, um, you know, it could go the other way too. But I think most people are coming out of it kind of being like, hey, let's, let's uh, you know, hashtag treat ourselves. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Um, uh, but 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 onto onto our next story, and and really, it is about treating yourself when it comes to this story. Is uh, Prosecco has made the return to double digit growth, and um, that's very exciting news for brunchers across the world. Um, brunchers unite! Yeah, so it's <laughs> just it's only inter- six feet apart. Unite, yeah. but like only sort of. Totally. <laughs> um. So the the global Prosecco industry has increased 12% in 2019 to 48.6 million cases, which is after a 2% decline the year prior, uh, according to the Prosecco DOC consortium. Um, So the UK is the world's largest market for the Prosecco, behind only Italy and the – and uh, or I'm sorry, the U.S. is the third largest, only behind Italy and the U.K. So um, I know that you were pretty excited about the fact that the U.S. is getting into the top the top five of prosecco consumption. Can you explain why? Yeah, because because America, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't really know what to say to that. It's a, it. I'm never I'm never surprised when someone tells me that. America consumes more of gestures gestures into the ether, uh, what whatever it is. I, 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 I don't know. Something like prosecco, though. I'm like, oh, cool. Like we're doing we're doing this thing. That's neat. <laughs> I and, and it, it's funny. I think more so because I'm not even a huge fan of prosecco. I I think in most of my experience of prosecco, it tends to be like hangover in a bottle. Um, it's just, it tends to be sweet, you know, bubbly wine that I only sort of enjoy, but definitely enjoy more when I add orange juice to, and I know this is terrible and I'm going to live it down someday, uh, when, you know, I meet a fantastic Prosecco maker who's like, Oh, fuck you, but you haven't had mine. Yeah. Well, that that's fair. Um, you know, in the U S we have maybe three major Proseccos that you really kind of see that are name brand. And other than that, the rest are just trash. Right. And especially, especially during brunch, right. The rest are just trash. Um, and that's if you're even lucky enough to actually be getting a Prosecco, um, you know, uh, I, I happen to serve, uh, sell one at, at a good bottle that I think is fucking phenomenal. And it costs next to nothing. Um, my version of next to nothing, but it's it doesn't taste like any other prosecco I've ever had, which is why I like it. Which is also probably the the exact reason why a lot of people won't like it. Yeah, I I can't say that I've like a tremendous amount. I mean, I know we've talked about it before, where like champagnes and stuff like that. They're just I haven't found that one that really does it for me. Um, but I'm working on it. I'm getting there. Uh, and I have had some ones recently that I was kind of like, okay, now I get it. Now this, this is something that is making more sense to me. 
Although what doesn't make sense to me is how how does Prosecco make that much of a jump in one year? What do you think that I, is? I don't know. And I, I, I'm actually – I see that as the pendulum swing, the jump. What I was more confused about in the story was was the dip. Um, right. Because I, I, I was trying to sw- uh, you know, think back to 2018 and fuck me, there's been an exhausting amount of news in the last two years. Um, to think back to t- the trends of 2018. And I, I honestly can't recall what was on trend at that point in time that might have necessitated, what was it, a 2%, 3% dip? 2% dip. Yeah. 2% dip in sales of Prosecco, right? Like brunch is cool, but brunch is, the reason brunch is cool is because it's, it's homogenized. Like it's, it, it is what it is everywhere. People like brunch. There wasn't in 2018, this all of a sudden this rebellion against brunch. So, so what, what caused that dip? And in my mind, the only thing that could cause that dip would be, uh, would be financial insecurity or if it was replaced. And I can't honestly recall what the, what, what that would be. Maybe somebody out there can can call in and, and give me a clue me in or at least have a solid hypothesis. I'm sure they could, um, you know, because obviously we're talking from a point of really no intelligence whatsoever on the matter. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, right. I mean, we did. We don't have a production crew behind the scenes doing research on this one for us. Um, but. I think it's I think it's reasonably intelligent to assume that there's there was a reason for the dip that the growth is less surprising than the dip. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Um, fortunately, our our next person that we're that we're going to bring in for an interview that you guys are going to listen to does know what he's talking about and has been very thorough in all since day one of his bar. Uh, up in Tahoe City, so we're we actually went up to Tahoe City this past week together, and outside of a lovely drive, we had a very lovely conversation with Brian Nelson, who is uh, the owner of Pioneer Cocktail Club, and he's going above and beyond the Call of Duty in order to make his place safe for patrons and for people um, who just want to drop in and get a drink. His staff. Um, and his friends. So Chris, what did you think of our conversation with Brian? Well, apart from the fact that I just love talking to Brian as it is anyway, I, um, I mean, Brian comes from a very specific standpoint that is knowledgeable, right? Like he is literally doing the things to survive as a business owner right now. But what I what I love about Brian and so many other people out there is that they're not laying back and bitching about the hurdles that are in the way of business right now. They're leaning into them. And Brian specifically not only leaned into this for the bar, but he had been running a grocery store out of the bar in the meantime that now he's turning into a separate business on top of it. Yeah. I, th- I think that there's there's going to be a lot of people, not a lot of people. I think there's going to be a few people when we come to the other side of this that that are um, clever, that can pivot on a dime, 
and who will show the creativity and the passion of this industry and really what it means to be someone, to be a professional, you know, and, and that, that entrepreneurial spirit is really going to shine through, I believe. And, and Brian definitely uh, showcases that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, we, you know, we talk about that. We talk about, you know, what he was doing before and then just really what he, even just the concept of him going up to a vacation town and doing something that nobody thought was possible. So, um, he's definitely the type of, the type of guy who does lean into it and is constantly trying to innovate and seeing what else is out there. And, which I thought was at one point, and he'll reiterate it during the interview, but like, you know, if anybody has any questions about how he's doing different things, I mean, the guy is ready to talk. So he wants to, he wants the industry to survive and he wants um, people to know like what he did and how to make it work. So if you guys have any questions for Brian, you know, definitely make sure that you reach out to him after if you, if you enjoy what you, what you hear. And if you've never been up there, please go. Cause it's like it's such a rad bar. And no, it's one of my favorites. It's, you know, it's truly a destination spot on top of a destination spot. So it's, um, it's really fun. So with that, I'm going to let Chris do all the movie magic and cue up that interview. Yeah, we're going to do the Scooby-Doo. <laughs> all right. And we're live with Brian Nelson, the Tahoe City Pioneer Cocktail Club for our first ever on location podcasts interview in the long history of the good bottle podcast. That's right. And why are we here? Because we wanted to. <laughs> what? <laughs> we wanted to come up here. We're, I'm, I'm excited to uh, interview Brian. Um, the reason we wanted to do this so quickly and we felt the need uh, for this, the urgency for this interview is Brian has transformed his entire bar into a safe a, bar. A safe bar. Yeah, a I want to say COVID friendly, but that I feel like that sends the wrong message. We're not encouraging COVID. <laughs> yeah, you're, 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 you're encouraging the opposite. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think this is a this is another extension of the creativity that Brian, you've always shown up here. So you were really the first person to come up to Tahoe City and tell people that craft cocktails could work. And then even at the beginning of this, you uh, converted the bar into essentially a bodega. And so when you initially find out that you have to shut down the bar, essentially, where, where was your, what was your thought process? Where'd your mind immediately go? Oh, um, I mean, it went dark probably like everybody else's did in the moment. I was like, how in the hell are we going to pull this off? Um, I mean, the real thing that, that, it shut us down and, and really uh, just took the, the, the window of our sales was when they, they closed the, um, the ski resorts. So um, we were allowed to kind of operate after that. And there were still some people that were up here kind of utilizing their condos. But as soon as they got the ski resorts, we had already had a, a very light ski season to begin with. And then Miracle March came and just dumped a bunch of snow and nobody could access it. And um, it, was, it was kind of torture. I've never seen... Um, the ski resorts that are just encased in beautiful powder without one track on it. It was just like I, people who've been up here forever hadn't seen it, and and so the town quieted down. And the way that it works in our business up here, we have uh, what we call shoulder seasons, which would be the spring and the fall, and that's when we really see a dive in business because it's too cold to uh, 
jump in the lake for the summer during the, the springtime and and uh snow's not there and you know vice versa leading up into the winter if there's no snow and kids aren't out of school um business really drops off so we have to prepare ahead of time for that um and normally you kind of catch up from those slow periods right about march and then you make all of your your nest egg to go through the, the other times. so uh, when they cut out the ski resort right when we were supposed to start printing money up here and then right after that COVID hit, um, you know, with the full shutdowns. Um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was freaking out and, and the only thing I could think to do, um, was to, to kind of, I mean, I didn't come up with this on my own. I mean, we, we share information here in the bar world all the time. So we were seeing other people were trying to talk about doing bodegas or, you know, uh, we didn't uh, got clarification on to go cocktails and we jumped on that as well. Um, but for us, um, I really had to, fully commit to it and make sure that our website went up like within a day I dropped our website uh, switched over to Squarespace because you didn't know how to do you know utilize the other one um, put a really archaic ordering system as far as what we had there I mean for a week we like we're food was spoiling you know we couldn't even give it away all the restaurants were giving away to like um, you know during churches and, and you know trying to help out people and do food giveaways um, and then they would just start turning us away so it was like really nothing we could do. We froze everything that we could in our meats. And then uh, then afterwards, we, we decided, okay, we'll, we'll sell it to see what we can push on that. And then in order to sell it, we switched out the website. And uh, and then we had to figure out how to compile these orders and then how to order to fulfill them and then what the needs were. And so it was a, an evolving scenario on the grocery store. And uh, we were fortunate enough for a lot of uh, our patrons who didn't want to see us go anywhere um, one of them happened to uh, work for a big tech company and said, "Hey, I can fix this thing for you and make it a little bit easier on the back end." That's amazing. Um, yeah, so I mean, this is the same guy uh, made me tear up uh, when we did close down. We lost like 40k of, of business probably in 10 days, and I couldn't pay my staff. So he went in and bought a, a four thousand dollar gift card, which was what I was short to pay my staff, and uh, got that taken care of. And he's helped us with this, and now we have. Um, pretty much the makings of, of a bodega that's not going to end. Uh, I've just recently reached out to concierge in the area. So Airbnb rentals and um, one of our town luxury properties is 250 units. Um, they're going to use us for their, their groceries so that they can have all of the, the condos stocked uh, when people rent them uh, with food, whoever wants it. Um, that's so time. cool. Yeah, they're, so they're, cool. they're excited about it too. They don't want to have to deal with the, grocery store and the, the time that it takes to go there under these conditions. So, um, you know, we figured out a way to make that happen. Yeah. I think the, what's been really kind of cool about it is and just everything that you've done is it seems like you're just a couple steps ahead and, you know, again, leaning on that conversation amongst like what other people are doing and being open to it and being flexible, I think has really served you well. And even now with like this new grocery item thing, like that's going to help you keep the lights on, through all these different restrictions and, and stuff like that. Um, has there, I mean, obviously this whole thing has been challenging, but has there been anything that even through these challenges, if there's been like surprising challenges that you weren't expecting? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I tell all my industry people uh, to take care of yourself right now, because I think the, the biggest challenge was watching a lot of my employees um, really abuse drugs and alcohol. Uh, to a point to where um, it became dehabilitating and they no longer could be here anymore. Um, and, uh, you know, they were a big portion of my business, but, you know, we had to go in a different direction 
because they're not, we're not taking care of themselves, you know, and, and I still am concerned about them. But, um, you know, hopefully they'll come back to the way they were. But uh, everybody's got to really watch. I know we're bored as hell and overeating or over drinking or whatever. But I would just say take care of yourself because, um, you know, we did have to do a little bit of a changeover on staffing. Yeah. And then so so now and I'm sure everybody can hear hear it in the background and we wanted the ambiance of the effort that that Brian and his staff are putting into this. But you're you're basically taking your bar, which is already a pretty intimate spot, but now there's in if you would have gone to a point where like you had to have six feet distancing, like you would have been able to put maybe like seven people in here at a time. So you're so you're doing partitions with with plexiglass in between different parts. And so when you brought that to like your, your health inspector, I mean, what, what's been the response so far to like all these different steps that you're taking? Yeah. So, um, for those of you who haven't seen my bar, um, you know, we'll put pictures up online. Um, we crammed a lot of tables and a lot of seating, um, and a real intimate setting when we, we built the place. There's probably about a thousand square feet of, of dining area. Maybe, um, we have a, kind of a horseshoe bar in the center. Um, and then there's seating on both sides of the bar. And then um, we use communal tables. We seat everybody communally here. Um, you know, even on the eight top table, we'll sit two, four tops next to each other and tell them to get out there and have fun and make friends. Um, so with COVID, that's like the complete worst thing to do. It was really a great business model for layout uh, in the beginning before this happened, um, you know, especially because we didn't, you know, every seat was utilized as much as possible, which allowed us to, to, you know, put some, some really good sales up. And now it became the, the death blow, if you will, due to uh, social distancing. Um, and I, I remember when the report came out, uh, knew some, uh, the guidelines that he did, uh, put out, I, I read them all over and over and I just immediately assumed, okay, well, the groceries are going to carry us through. We're not going to reopen. Uh, immediately until we get to maybe phase three. And then I got to thinking about it when I started reading about partitions. And so I started thinking about, you know, how I could open safely while doing this. I mean, right when you come in the front door, there's no way to block the host or even other patrons from someone coming in the restaurant. We have a wide open kitchen where, you know, we we had to uh, end up plexiglassing that off. Uh, It actually looks pretty good. Uh, but to seal off the kitchen to to be COVID compliant. And as I got to thinking about it, I said, you know what? Plexiglass is the answer. We, um, you know, in our bar, there's beams that come down on one side of the, the bar top. And so it kind of looks like a little window frame. So we, we close that up. So, it, I mean, ultimately we have like a, a, what looks like a hockey partition <laughs> that goes around the bar. <laughs> it's definitely <Yes>. penalty box-esque, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Is kind of like yeah, you got to you're in there for five minutes for high sticking for sure. <laughs> what, what I love about this, I mean, even just now, you know, you've got drawings on the plexiglass, people, you know, and you've leaned you've leaned so far into it uh, as still a way to develop a, a community space in a way of people still having a good time. And that's I think that that's one of the things that really inspired me to, to do this interview so fast. Is all on social media, we see nothing but doom and gloom during this. If people People just freaking out, saying, "Well, this isn't, this is sustainable. We're going to die. We're not going to be able to do this." And you went the other direction and said, "No, I'm, I'm doing this, and we're going to make it fun." Yeah. So the fun comes into that. So I mean, I talked to Ray, our health inspector. I called him up immediately after that night. I came up with a full COVID plan. 
called him up, told him what I was going to do. And we read over it together. And he's like, no, you're actually would be over compliant because some of them say should do this or whatever. And it was like, you have all the factories in place to, to be as safe as possible. And, um, one of the things about my bar is, is I made sure that every table other than what had to be compliant for ADA was at bar top height. So even if you weren't sitting at the bar, you wouldn't feel like you're sequestered in a corner. You could still see the action, see across the room, um, um, see the lake from every angle of the restaurant. Um, and so I didn't want to lose that. I still wanted to feel like you're at the pioneer. And so, um, the partitions allowed me to, to actually do that. Um, and then we got started being like, well, let's have some tongue-in-cheek fun with this. And so we decided that we're going to come up with COVID Man. So uh, <laughs> what it is, it's a full jumpsuit with uh, COVID-19 and a circle with a line through it. And on the weekends when we're having more of a bar party, since everybody will be able to see each other from their little bubbles. Um, every time they have to, someone leaves a booth, you're supposed to sanitize the whole area before the next person comes in. So we decided that COVID man would come out with torches and, and a belt of just cleaning products and squeegee. And um, just kind of like bottle service, we'd run $2 shots during that time. <laughs> and everybody would root on COVID man. So we would still have fun. Um, and while he, while he sanitized the whole thing and had full masks, the full get up. So we'll do that for a while just to kind of make fun of a really stupid uh, situation that we're all in. Um, and then uh, we, we're giving dry erase markers that will sanitize again after use so people can play tic-tac-toe, write things on it, um, you know, have a bar environment. Uh, we're going to put some bar trivia up on the TV so people can play. And I mean, if you can find I mean, what, what do we go to the bar for? To get drunk, uh, to meet with friends, to get laid, and hopefully not, but maybe get into a fight, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> so if we're going to we're try and bring as much of it as we can in there. I mean, maybe we'll get some girl who wants to you know, autograph her boots through Posey glass. I don't know. Whatever. Right? Just, we're just going to have a well, bar I get, feel. I mean, if there's a fight, you already get, you already got the penalty box set up. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I think it's you know important to describe <laughs> it. So each each table is kind of enclosed in its own area. So yeah. that's how you're able to kind of that's what we're talking about with like the penalty box because it's obviously going to be an intimate setting. You're going to be enclosed in but because everything's clear you're still going to be able to see the entire bar space that's that kind of the community aspect that you're talking about yeah so 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 six feet i mean that's the rule we all know it um and again with my space i probably have 10 people in here but yeah i mean you can literally sit right next to somebody and draw messages on the wall play tic-tac-toe with your neighbor or whatever because you know the way we're supposed to see it is you're you're supposed to only see the group together yeah. Um, at the same time. So, I mean, our plan is just like what it reads. We have sanitizer outside. Um, our door is currently not propped open. It's pretty cold up here right now, but it's supposed to warm up this week. Um, so they'll sanitize their hands, grab the door handle, come inside, and then they come into essentially walk-in curtains, you know, the plastic curtains that come in and a little box that they're in. When the whole group's there, we let them know, hey, um, here's how it goes. You're going to be ordering on your phone. So we don't do use menus. Um, so we have somebody who goes online and, and places the order goes, it rings straight to the kitchen. Um, if you guys don't have smart tab and you're looking for a POS system, go with smart tab. Um, he's been actually trying to work on paperless money backend, uh, products for a while. And, and, um, I'm, I'm going to get to test pilot his, his product and break it or make it for him before he releases to everybody. 
but the idea being that the whole menu is on there, trending products, you, you know, you buy your friend a drink, it'll print out, and then uh, you can close out on it uh, once you get the full functionality with your Apple Wallet as well. And uh, if you close out on the app, it's 20% tip um, in our space. You can set it whatever you want for a restaurant. Um, if you want to do Segas for bad service, you'll have to get the paper copy to do it. You know, <laughs> Hopefully you're not going to do Segas. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, we give them a speech in the door. They come in. They know that what's going to happen. If they don't have a mask, we hand them a mask and let them know $3 is going to be added to their bill for a mask. And we had one guy, I think, yesterday wanted to fight for his right to not have to wear a mask and was really pissed off and left. But everybody else has been like, no problem, thank you, and they're happy to come out, sanitize their hands, let them know they have to wear the mask when they walk through the dining room to use the restroom or to get seated. Once they're at their seats, they can take them off, seat the group together, and then let the party begin. And what's the what's the party line when when you have someone who's acting up who doesn't want to wear wear a mask or, or partake in how you're how you're doing things? I mean, ultimately, you know, we just say, look, you know, if anyone's hurting, it's not this guy's freedom, or whatever. So, from our standpoint, it's like, hey, these are the rules that we didn't create. But they're there to to keep you safe, whether you believe in it or not. And if you don't want to follow that, if you don't want to get your temperature scanned with the, the thing because it's infringing upon your rights, then we also have the right to refuse service to you as well. And you know, we we hope you'll come back when we are full open. And yeah. that's it. If they make too much of a stink about it, I'm pretty sure everybody <laughs> knows where they can go. Right. Well, I, th- I think that. You know, one of the things that I've noticed because so we're because you guys this is Placer County, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so Placer County has been open for you know almost we're closing in on a week, and um, I've already heard of places now. Placer County does tend to be a little conservative, yeah. and that's it's a shame that that's a that's ended up being a talking point. You know, fuck mask and all that stuff. But I know places um, where I grew up, you know, in Placer County, like they've already kind of gone off the rails and you're not supposed to have bar service. They're already like doing bar service. It doesn't seem like they're practicing most of these norms. Um, eventually there's going to be a point where business here is really going to go on back up and it's going to get crazy. And you're going to have a lot of people that are coming up to the lake, coming up to their condos, coming up to all that. How are you going to navigate those waters when you have a line of 80 people out the door and they're, they're trying to get into your place. I mean, have you thought about what some of those conversations are going to look like for you and for your staff of turning people away? Um, well, yeah, I mean, just like I brought up, uh, most of our staff, when I'm having a nice influx of professionals from San Francisco, Puerto Rico, and Sacramento who are taking the spots and coming up from a, over the summer because they may have lost their jobs or, or, you know, are still on quarantine. So my professionals... You know, if you work in this industry, you kind of know how to navigate it. You know, what I mentioned before as far as, you know, how to turn people away, that's how we do it. Um, but I'm not shy. You, you can see some of my responses even on Yelps to people who, <laughs> who've, uh, who just kind of been out of line. Like, we, you know, I just, we do our best. And if, if you want to take it a step further, we have no problem letting you know where you stand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, as far as daytime service, like I said, we're still going to do the bodega. So we still need to use the, the dining room during the day. And thank God it's the summer because um, most people want to be outdoors anyways. So uh, with the dining room closed until 5 or until it gets cool, uh, cooler, uh, so we can still operate the bodega during the daytime. I grab that? 
Someone's calling right now to get yeah, an order. Yeah, we're probably going to get some food going. <laughs> guys, this is real. That's how real we are. Yep. So, so um, anyway, so in order to, to be able to maximize what we're doing, um, we have an outdoor patio bar. And the window directly behind you uh, is a slide up. So we'll be pumping food out of the kitchen and then carrying it over to the window so that people can pick it up and then take it to the outdoor uh, seating area. Our landlord has been kind enough to let us close off the driveway. So we're going to be able to expand um, during the day more tables and umbrellas all the way through the patio and outdoor okay. area. So we could probably triple our seating footprint outside. <clears throat> and because it's to go and because the bar setup is, is right outside, uh, hopefully to bring people in and be kind of entertaining and fun. Um, but it's kind of like a take and seat yourself, you know, and a to-go. It'll be all served in to-go containers. Yeah. Um, you know, if you want the Pioneer experience, come in in the evening after five. You'll get glasses to drink out of, like, that aren't plastic and plates to eat on. Um, but we just – there's no way that, way that we could function unless we did a uh, full takeout. We're like, just go to the lake, you know. Enjoy your food there. It's better over there, anyways. You know, but they want to which is the right tables. across the street. It's, yeah, it's, it's literally, literally across, across the street. The street so. Yeah, and it's a great beach down there too. Um, I think we're going to be okay under those circumstances. And then, you know, as was suggested in the COVID playbook, uh, you're going to want to um, take reservations or a list. They're supposed to wait in their car while they're waiting to be seated. You know, according to the COVID manual that was released. Um, you can put them on a name or use wait list or something like that to, to help your business. And I mean, since we still can do to go cocktails, you know, we can literally go walk out to their car and be like, here you go. Enjoy your cocktail in a plastic cup in the car while you're waiting for your seats to come up. Yeah. You know, like instead of go sitting at the bar, go sit in your car with your drink. Just cool. <laughs> do you have any more COVID related questions? Hmm. Because I do want to do a little bit of a transition, but I want to make sure. No, Drew, why don't you start your transition? So, I know we're all sick of COVID, and we're we're ha, we're, we're tired. Ha, of, get it? Yeah, yeah. Pun intended. Dad jokes. That's real. But I think one of my favorite things about about this spot is, um, you know, you have one of the most extensive collections of just spirits from everywhere, and there's there's no, uh, I mean, just anywhere in general. I think you have a really, not just Portado City, but just a really great collection of spirits. And then uh, also coming up, and I like to joke, like checking in to Pioneer Cocktail Club on Facebook is kind of like a rite of passage for all Sacramento and San Francisco bartenders. It's like, I made the trip. Like, I'm I here. Went, I went to Tahoe. <laughs> I went to Pioneer, and, and I checked in here. It's like, you, you, you have to do it. I'm going to do it today. Or we gonna, we're going to do it as the podcast. We're going to do it as the podcast. And so I, I would completely removed and taking off, you know, the, the COVID goggles. Like, can you just talk about your bar program and what you built up here and kind of what your motivations were for, for doing this in a town, which again, people told you wouldn't work. Yeah. As a matter of fact, a, a friend of mine who were in nameless, uh, when I first came up here, uh, we were, we were canvassing the area and we brought that idea. It was, it was barely, it was widely scoffed at and not received well. And, uh, it was even made fun of, uh, by that friend of mine now, a local bartender here who's been doing it forever. Um, yeah, I mean, for a moment, we were known as the gay bar as well, <laughs> which, I mean, for those of you who don't know me, I've dressed in drag and worked in a gay bar before, even though I'm straight, so it does not hurt my feelings at all. But, um, yeah, just because of our fancy cocktails. Uh, this is a town, uh, this little town was known uh, widely for its 
shots of Rumpelmann's Jaeger and beer and, you know, things of that nature. Um, and, you know, to, to drink or, or out of a coop or, you know, uh, a different type of cocktail glass was, um, I don't know, you were too bougie, you were too Bay Area. I love how that's like a, that's like, a gay stereotype to have a fancy cocktail. Yeah. I you know, when, when we opened up Red Rabbit, uh, we had the same stereotype in Sacramento. Uh, we were the hipster bar and therefore the gay bar. Yeah. That's so crazy. Uh, so we still, and people, you know, when we, when we first opened and out of the coop, they're like, I want a man class, <laughs> which I love to call out at the bar. Cause which I'm definitely fair. that person. When somebody says, give me something more manly the glass like that's just so hilarious well me. no i so um they're all gone now so as, as you know things get stolen or, or broken but, um, <laughs> in a bar no way and the, yeah, i mean cups, <laughs> yeah, i mean they, they, we're probably going to find them with the dryer socks one day right <laughs> but um but ultimately yeah if somebody asked for a man glass and everybody should do this they should have those ceramic men and speedos mugs oh, and then just pour it into that and be like here you go yeah it's lovely <laughs> And then in terms of in terms of your collection, I mean, you know, one of the reasons that I will always have a special place is that you're we work together in more of the professional capacity. It's more than just friendship. Like we you carry so much of the cool stuff that that I carry. Like what has it been like to and it's not just my stuff, but like everybody's stuff. Like you bring in everybody's cool agave uh, flavors and, and, and expressions. What has it been like to introduce Bacanoras and Sotols to either people on vacation or those townies that think you're a gay bar? Um, well, <laughs> actually, well, we, we've converted them. I mean, um, they're, they're little cis now, you know. <laughs> no, but uh, they they ultimately didn't have mezcal anywhere in town before we arrived. Yeah. And so... Even at the Mexican restaurant right down the street. That's correct. None of them carried mezcal. Um, I think maybe they had Montalban or, or was it... Right, yeah. Ooh, yeah. yummy. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was it. Um, and so even down to the dive bar, um, they have Agave de Cortez back behind the bar. That was their mezcal, wow. you know, and, and wow. the Hoven. And and um, we just started drinking it everywhere to where people finally just brought it in because they knew that we were going to drink it when we went around. And that was part of the way of winning over the town, too. I, You know, just like we do in the industry, we always come out and support each other. Well, I went around and I... I, I barflied this place pretty well. Um, so everybody started carrying, you know, uh, what we liked. And then they started asking about it. Uh, people from the Bay Area, they come up and they, they are wowed by the collection. Um, and surprisingly, I thought whiskey was going to take off up here uh, a lot more than Mescal did. But it was it was odd to find people being like, oh, you have that stuff from when I went on a surf trip in Mexico. Right. And so the agave took off like way more than my, my bourbon and whiskey collection did. And, you know, I, I worked at Hardwater in the city. Um, and so when it comes to a bourbon whiskey collection, you know, I, I, I really commit to it. And uh, surprisingly, it does not move. A lot of people like to still drink vodka up here. Uh, Tito's is really huge. And uh, Tito's is a great supporter of us. So I just, but I'm just saying that's what, that's what people are drinking Tito's and Grey Goose and, and even the, the, uh, there's no cigar aficionado type people up here that we found unless they're coming in the wintertime from the Bay Area. Um, but due you know, the cocktails that we're putting out and kind of the show of it all, um, they really uh, dig it, you know. And, and uh, you know, we end up getting a lot of uh, women that like to come in here as opposed to having to go to a different bar. And, and so the guys follow as well. Our demographic, especially at night, is, is, is a lot of fun, you know, a lot of yeah. youth, a lot of 
people that um, like what we're doing. And so, yeah, and, and we have it. And people call us all the time, especially now we're in quarantine and, and they're like, oh, my whiskey society is doing this. Anyway, I can buy this off of you. And I'm like, yeah, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> Don't have this, but here's a good alternative, you know. And, right. And then, um, so my my final question, and Chris can jump in after that, is uh, one of the other cool things that, that you've done, and we've discussed it, you know, a few times together, and the best the best way we can kind of do it is almost like a scholarship program slash foreign exchange student program of bringing in uh, – different bartenders from different places and kind of being like, Hey, we'll take care of you. Come up here and, and work a few weeks with us. Cause when things get busy, like you said, you want professionals up here. And uh, so can you talk about some of the bartenders that have come in over, you know, the, the past, you know, year, two years and kind of what your mindset is when it comes to, well, you, even had, you even had guest manager, which was entertaining you, for me. You did have a guest manager. When we went to Mexico <laughs> together, yeah. When we, when we went to Mexico together, you, like we, you brought in, you brought in the, the heater and, you know. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to call him a manager. For any of you that, that know, uh, know Mr. Dobbs, uh, he was, I think he was on a podcast earlier with you guys. Yeah, he was on uh, So if you have the great pleasure of knowing Mr. Dobbs, he is a portable party. And when you put him in a manager capacity, uh, you will get a little bit of that party as well. But, yeah, he, he would, when we went to Mexico uh, for a La Luna uh JBS tour that was uh, he was definitely in here. But on to the um, the guest program. All of you aspiring, it's not Camp Runamark, but somewhere of that. Um, that want to come up and help me. Uh, I patterned it off of the J one program. For those of you who don't know what a J one is, people from another country that come up and they have a little small uh, temporary work visa to work at you know ski resorts or other areas when there's a seasonal pop and necessity for them being there. So ski resorts bring them in. A lot of restaurants do as well. You're required to house them and pay them a certain amount. And the biggest problem with that is when you have uh, you know a bit of intricacies for the cocktail bar or nuanced food, you can't just plug and play people like you would you know at a McDonald's location or something. So um, that left me with a really hard uh, time staffing. It's like doing an opening in between, you know, every single time you, you go back into the busy season. And so we just started working with, uh, you know, coming up with our own idea to, to bring these people in, these friends of the industry. Cause you know, if you're part of the, the cocktail bar industry, you're part of the cult and, uh, we all help each other and support each other. And, and so I put it out to my cult members to, uh, to, to <laughs> get, put them on vacation. So you're into snowboarding, come on up, got extra rooms in my house. You can stay with me. Um, and we you know we have people who have worked at some very talented bars like Pouring Ribbons and, and Dead Rabbit have graced our, our bar. Uh, we've we've got uh, Trick Dog people that have you know they worked there. They've also worked over here. Um, yeah, and we just you know we have a huge array uh, right now. We even have um, somebody who's who's been a chef and and also. Uh, did good in the cocktail game and even became a, a brand ambassador. He's, he's back working for us as well. We have the party. We kind of know, um, I don't know, we're, we're kind of like baby adults in this industry, I guess, because <laughs> we know how to like really, really send it, you know, on the, on the, on the good times in the party and we have camaraderie. I think my wife would put me definitely more on the baby side. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, I definitely feel like the child in my relationship <laughs> as well. It's like, we're, it's adorable what you do, babe, but, you know. You're going to get a real job one day. Some of us have to work. <laughs> I'm but, glad that you're happy. I'm glad you went to broadcasting because that's a real job too, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, like that's been that's been like the new kind of fun thing. It's like, Drew, when are you actually going to do something serious? And it's like, well, probably never, but I... You know, I'd rather just talk to my friends and record it. So my answer is always, you knew what this was. Yeah. <laughs> you said yes. You said yes to this. You it's said I do. You said I do. I was there. Like, yeah. you know. Before we turned on the mic, dude, they put a shrine to Howard Stern right there. There's candles burning as we speak. Listen, know your heroes. Okay, respect them. Next to the Lucha mask. But yeah. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, but anyways, like, um, there's still an element of professionalism and everybody really loves to be in this industry when they get to, you know, a level that requires a little bit more commitment and nuance to it. And so by bringing these people in, you get to, you know, you get to, it's like going to camp, you know, you get to hang out with these people for three months and then they go back to their bars or their home. They feel like it's a vacation. They get to see, you know, one of the most world renowned lakes, you know, and, 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 totally. and play and, and go on it. Um. We, I've I've brought people up here who've never even been on a snowboard before, and now I've, I've got two people who are now hooked on it. Um, one of them, an ex-employee, actually ended up staying here, and uh, he, when when the ski resorts closed down, he bought a split board, or he was using a friend's split board. I don't know which one it was, but he was earning his turns by hiking all the way up to the top and snowboarding down. Holy moly! Oh yeah, we do that all the time. We got Abbey shoots and everything else, and beacons and whatever, but. This is a guy who wasn't even a skater, and, and now he's he's all about it. Um, and then um, we actually have some friends from Puerto Rico coming back in to help me here on the 24th. And and uh, one of the guys, he's, he was into skating, but now he's hooked on snowboarding. He's, yeah. yeah. And so we got him a pass. And Probably not as much snow in Puerto Rico. Uh, you know. Probably not. Yeah. Surprisingly, there's snow in Hawaii, and it's correct. And it's, it is a bucket list for me to... to <laughs>
Um, I have no problem writing out a spec sheet and telling you how to get um, these barriers up or or um, or even if you want to go to my website, PCC, it's the acronym for Pioneer Cocktail Club, pcctahoe.com. Um, if you forward slash groceries or click the groceries tabs, you can see how we set up the ordering guide on there. And if you want to get a hold of the back end, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. Just reach out to me. Um, I'm not, this information is, is, is 100% free. Uh, I want this industry to survive and thrive. Anything I can do to help, I would be more than happy to. Right on, man. Well, hey, we killed this bottle of black toss, so we're gonna go get in. We're gonna go hit your back bar right now. But cheers, cheers, guys. Thank you so cheers. much. Cheers. Chin chin. That was cool. So, Drew, you've been uh, you've been entertaining a lot of interviews lately. Uh, what what's your side project that you've been go- that you've got going on? Um, so I know I've talked about it a couple times here and there on the pod, but I've been doing these virtual happy hours with um people from all over our industry and uh it's been a lot of fun it's been i think very educational at the very minimum at least for me to just to talk to people from from all over in different um you know different capacities and uh different levels of the job and it's just been it's been really cool and so actually what we're going to start doing is we're going to start sharing some of those interviews not all of them because there's like way too many um we have i've had quite a bit uh have been recorded so far but this week i'll actually be interviewing carlos camarina i am beyond excited for this this is this is incredible and i i I really hope people tune in for it it's going to be it's going to be great I it's so it's going to be my last one under the virtual happy hour flag and I have a feeling it's going to be a very big deal for people or I hope it is for people um Carlos is a kind of a legend within the tequila there's, industry There's no kind of about it. I mean the man the man is a luminary. He pretty much it, it defines he is he's the figurehead essentially for this in for that industry i mean that's yeah. there's no two ways about it yeah so i mean because I'm, I'm trying to not psych myself you're be, out you're trying to be humble <laughs> <laughs> well it was funny because like like so many of these so many of these interviews that i've set up um you know for a lot of people i did i didn't know them and it was just like okay we have a lot of mutual friends maybe or, or something like that but it was just kind of like a shot in the dark being like hey i'm doing this thing what do you think? And, uh, um, and when he said yes, I was like, what? That's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, so I, th- I think it'll be cool. I think it'll be in the vein of, of, you know, what the good bottle podcast has been, um, you know, talking to people who, you know, kind of have a different outlook on this industry and are not necessarily mainstream and stuff like that. And I think it's going to be a good fit. So I'm going to continue to do these these uh happy hours definitely not the frequency that i'm doing them now but there's there's a lot of people out there that i really do want to talk to and i've come to find that i really enjoy interviewing people as well so we're gonna yeah, it's funny is I, i've come to enjoy your interviewing as well i uh don't be weird about it but i i, I are you being, are you being serious i thought you were busting my chops right there no no, no i'm actually being serious <laughs> oh good uh yeah it's <laughs> It's kind of like uh, I'm, I'm at the point now where I live for that moment when somebody says that's a really good question or I've never heard that question before 
and I'm like, that's Holy just, shit. I'm like, I'm like, put that in my veins, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, so the, the first episode that we'll put onto the good bottle podcast, um, you know, we'll probably come out with it like midweek um, between, you know, our Monday releases. So we haven't really figured it out yet, but Carlos would be the first one that we put onto the good bottle. And then we're going to go back through some of the older ones that I've done. I have a few in mind that I definitely want people to listen to because I think they were really solid. Um, and, uh, you know, as we figure those out and if Chris agrees with it or not, uh, <laughs> that's that's how we'll decide. <laughs> um, well, I'm excited about people uh, uh, hearing from Kelly um you know oh I, totally she, she's an amazing interviewee and um she's batshit crazy for doing what she does but i absolutely respect it and yeah so so chris is talking about kelly babineau from lbv imports um they do a whole bunch of wine and when i say they i mean she because it's like hmm. you know she does have a couple of employees but for the most part she's making it run and by day she's a total badass defense attorney so um this is a this is a uh yeah, running line, an important business job. is a side job. What the yeah. fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's totally it's totally crazy. And so so that was a really good one. Um and like I said, there's a few other ones I think had like uh Kate Perry from uh Villiers. Yeah. She was on and she's you know amazing, so many great stories. Uh Robin Robinson was a really fun one. Um he is a guy that I had no relationship with prior to doing the interview. And um, he's, you know, he's worked in the industry for, for years. He was actually the guy that built compass box in the U S um, and just a really, no really, really, really smart guy. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's just a lot of fun ones and I've, you know, been wanting to share them on this platform and I'm excited that we're able to kind of figure it out. And uh, like I said, I'm not going to be doing, we're not going to put all of them on the podcast because, again, there's a lot. And there's also uh, the fact that I want to interview other people and move them to this venue. But everything is available on my on my YouTube. So if, uh, if you guys do end up liking what you hear, you can always go and look at my YouTube as well. Um, What's, uh, is it Drew Garrison YouTube or, or are you under the happy hour? No, it's under if you just look up Drew Garrison, it's it's there. I'm still not hundred percent savvy on all that stuff. Um Yeah, we're learning, man. We're we learning. are learning. Yeah, but it'll learning. but it'll be cool. So yeah, you can you can definitely check those out. And then I know that there's a couple that um I actually want to like not necessarily redo, but uh you know, like have another conversation with them because they just I mean they, they end up being kind of long. I mean they they range anywhere from an hour to an hour and forty seven minutes, you know. So yeah, uh, you know, funny funny enough, actually uh Kelly Babineau was supposed to be our, our very first podcast episode. Um, right. but the sound quality was so bad back then that I just couldn't bring myself to um uh, to publish that because it was just it was it was just god awful. Yeah, um, and, but it, it was a, a, it was an amazing interview. Great. Yeah, it was an amazing it, interview. She her her insight was just great. So so hopefully we'll have we'll have more of that, and um and again it'll just be another way for people to enjoy some of these conversations that I got to have, you know over over the past two months. I mean there's just there's a lot of really fun people that participated, and um you know it always went in different directions and never it was never really this the same and there's in fact i mean i'm still hearing from people like oh i finally had time to listen to this one and it was like oh man that was from a month ago 
and you know it was like it was great and i'm like thank you like that's awesome um so so hopefully you guys like them i think you will and uh you know if you if you have any ideas for guests or people that you think might be interesting uh let me know and yeah i will then tell you if you're right or wrong huh. that sounds great <laughs> and, and absolutely accurate i'm excited about next week's guests which are going to be the uh the last supper society guys um I, I i'm really excited for that interview um i've been working with them uh for the last two months uh since shelter in place came in and i'm excited to share their story and um sort of uh, just you know lift up another another crew that's actually doing you know thinking creatively totally to adjust their business model yeah 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 i'm i'm uh looking forward to that as well so well but i'm gonna go finish this glass of 25 year old scotch yeah save me some uh while i finish this bottle of, okay deal of rioja <laughs> uh well yeah guys um remember go like us subscribe share all the fun stuff and leave reviews because we're starting to build some real momentum here um so we need your help uh, comments we uh thank you chad for the comment last week Uh, if more people want to comment uh that would be great yeah please do but uh yeah i will uh talk to you soon bud all right, homie. I'll see you. See you on the flip side, as it were. Absolutely. Cheers. Cheers. I did that on my bottle. It was cool. The Good Bottle Podcast was recorded at the Good Bottle Shop in Sacramento, California. Music is by Leon Moore and Chase Moore. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Good Bottle Podcast.